Good afternoon. Uh, welcome to the Cato Institute. I'm Ian Vasquez. I direct the Center for Global Liberty and Prosperity here. Uh, Sweden and uh, Nordic countries more generally are held in high regard in the United States, and rightfully so. Sweden is a highly successful country, and it's managed to achieve prosperity, social harmony, and public services that work relatively well. It ranks high on the Human Freedom Index, ranking 13 out of 159 countries. Its success is a reason that it's sometimes uh, used as a reference here in the U.S. in political discussions. It's also become a more prominent topic of debate after Democratic presidential candidate Bernie Sanders on the campaign trail said, I think we should look to countries like Denmark, like Sweden and Norway to learn from what they have accomplished for, for their working people. It's not a bad idea. Sanders' intention, of course, was to promote democratic socialism here in the United States. But is Sweden really a good example of social democracy, at least in the way that most Americans uh, conceive it? The answer to that question is much more interesting than a simple yes or no. And one thing I've learned from uh, years of working on international uh, development issues is that Americans are typically not well informed about uh, foreign nations, and it seems that the public's knowledge about Sweden uh, is uh, not an exception. Sweden is not a utopia, but there are powerful, positive lessons uh, to learn from it, as well as lessons about uh, what they've done wrong. Uh, that's why we're pleased to, to host today uh, Cato senior fellow and uh, Swedish scholar, Johan Norberg, uh, to discuss uh, his new documentary and to, to view a part of that uh, documentary and hear him tell his country's fascinating story. I think that in many ways, Americans uh, will find the, the story that Johan tells somewhat surprising or at least uh, unexpected, both for the good and the bad. And of course, Sweden's uh, most recent unexpected news, at least for many outsiders, is the rise, the rise of the far right, which in this uh, weekend's election got some 18% of the vote. How could this happen in such a country, uh, in a country that's uh, so hom homogeneous and that has usually favored social consensus uh, to solve problems? And to what extent does this development change uh, Swedish politics, or even threaten uh, the country's freedoms. Here, too, there are lessons uh, that the United States uh, can learn uh, about what to emulate and what to avoid in terms of Sweden. So I look forward to that discussion. The documentary uh, that we're featuring today will be uh, seen on public television uh, stations soon. And to tell us a little bit more about that, I'm happy to introduce the, the CEO of uh, the company that produced uh, the documentary, Free to Choose Media. We will hear from him for just a couple of minutes, then we'll see about a 16-minute clip of the film. Then I'll introduce uh, Johan Norberg, and he'll speak, and we'll take uh, questions and answers and have a d discussion. Uh, Robert Chatfield uh, is the CEO of Free to Choose uh, Network. He has previously been... Uh, at the Pioneer Institute and served in financial positions in uh, various companies. And he's currently associated with Syracuse University and with Suffolk University. Please help me welcome uh, Bob Chatfield. 
Thank you very much, Ian. And I think his remarks really opened this up well. Why we did this project was pretty simple. Uh, it was the Bernie Sanders commentary about maybe America should be looking towards the Nordic countries. Little did Bernie know that the person who's done, uh, has hosted most of our films is an actual Swede. And so we asked him, should America be more like Sweden? And we got a remarkable answer from him, which was maybe if you knew more about our country. Uh, as Ian mentioned, this will be distributed through public television, uh, a bit of a housekeeping item. Uh, next to the table out front there, you can sign up uh, and receive notification of when this will be on your local public television channel. Uh, we expect it's going to be end of October, beginning of November with regards to the scheduling, but I do not have dates yet for the DC and Virginia areas. Uh, without further ado, I believe we're going to go and show a 15-minute clip from the film, which will then lead us into our discussion. Thank you so yep. much. Thanks. Welcome to Stockholm, Sweden. My name is Joe Norberg, and this is where I was born and raised. These are friends of mine, and we're going to watch a big game between two Stockholm teams, so it should be a good one. And it might get a little crazy in there. Yeah, let's go. A lot of crazy. Look at this excitement over a football game. Or soccer, as it's called in America. I'm not sure if this is how Americans typically picture us. It's easy to have misperceptions about a country. So, what do Americans know about Sweden? People have blonde hair, and then there was Vikings from there. I think they have good cheese, though. Oh no, that's Switzerland. Well, I love ABBA. Ikea, of course. <laughs> it seems like it's like a place that, like no problems or something. Uh, it is a socialist economy. Volvos and, uh... Socialized medicine. So it seems our international companies are pretty well known. But our economic system is misunderstood. This is the story of how we Swedes grew our nation to become the fourth most prosperous country in the world. And almost threw it all away. We'll explore a little Swedish history and meet some people who will show us what it's really like to live in Sweden today. I think there might be lessons learned for other countries, but I'll leave that for you to think about as I share this story about my home. Major funding for this program has been provided by L.E. Phillips Family Foundation, DKT Liberty Project, Donald and Paula Smith Family Foundation, Chris and Melody Roofer, Sarah Scaife Foundation. 25 years ago, when I first became interested in economics, I was studying a low-income country, poorer than the Democratic Republic of Congo in Africa. This country had a life expectancy half as long, an infant mortality three times as high as the average developing country. In fact, I was studying my own country, Sweden, as it existed 150 years ago. Mm -hmm. 
then in one century, everything changed. This impoverished peasant nation developed into one of the world's richest countries. We grew from being a country of subsistence farmers, barely surviving in a harsh climate, to a world exporter of goods and raw materials. But to understand how all of that happened, I have to tell you about Anders Chedenius. If you've not heard of him, don't worry, you're not alone. Have you ever heard of this guy? Anders Chedenius. <laughs> no. <laughs> I, I never heard it. So, who was Anders Chaidenius, you may be wondering. Many Swedes, in fact, learn about him in school, but don't really remember his name. But for people like me and other historians and economists, he's one of the greatest thinkers and champions of freedom in history. Today I'm going to see a rehearsal of a new play written about Chaidenius. Dagen. Oöverträffad hatare av gåtor och hemligheter i allt som rör ekonomiska frågor. Dolda subventioner och premier i näringarna. Monopol, bortkomna kvitton, ogjorda bokslut, premier på lösa grunder. Allt det har ni. Ni ska inte ta det personligt. Men ni ska inte ta emot mutor. Hur vågar ni? Sätt ända lite tort. Och det är friheten. Vilka är frihet? Hej. Hi, that was amazing. Thank you. Thank you. Uh, no, this is not Anders Chaidenius. This is Mats Holmqvist, an actor who has studied and portrayed Chaidenius for almost 30 years by now. And now you promised to show me some places that were important yeah, in Chaidenius' sure. life, right? Can I change some clothes and then I... That's probably a good idea. <laughs> Chaidenius lived in Western Finland, which was part of the Swedish Empire at that time. And he held some radical ideas for the 1760s. Living under the rule of the Swedish king, Chaidenius argued for minimal state power, low taxes and land rights for peasant farmers. Chaidenius published The National Gain, his own arguments for free markets and personal freedom. And many people think that he would have become world famous had his ideas been translated into a major language of his time. What happened here? This is the actual place where Chudenius started his career. He was a preacher. So it was when he was here that he started to write about the farmers' right to sell their goods freely to other countries? Yes, you can say so. He worked on bringing better circumstances for the farmers around where he lived because he, he cared that everyone should be free to, to do as best as they can. Although educated as a priest, Chaitinius feels that working in politics is a better way to directly improve people's lives. And in 1765, he's elected to the Swedish parliament and moves to Stockholm. As a member of parliament, Chaidenius pushes for freedom of religion and freedom of the press. And in 1766, Sweden becomes the first country in the world to have freedom of the press written into its constitution. But within a year, Chaidenius' views get him in trouble. He writes an article about monetary policy that criticizes the Swedish authorities. He's quickly expelled from parliament. 
Defeated, Chaidenius leaves Stockholm and dedicates his life to his parish work and music. This quartet is playing one of Chaidenius' favorite pieces, using some of his own music notations. But it is not for music that Anders Chaidenius is remembered. He is Sweden's earliest champion of individual freedom, a man who fought to give impoverished farmers control over their own lives. Chaidenius would not live to see his ideals come to fruition. By the time Chaidenius died in 1803, Sweden was one of the poorest countries of Europe. Hundreds of thousands of Swedes, out of sheer desperation, left the country to find opportunity in new lands. Many came to America. So is Chaidenius buried here? We don't know, but the legion says he might have been moved and brought here under the church floor the farmers who he had uh, done so much good for if they wanted him back to his own church. So do you think he's buried here? I, I don't know. But I like, the, I like the idea that he is home again. I'm going to meet with Dr. Tom Palmer, an American author and commentator on international politics and ethics. I've known Tom for over 15 years, and he has come to Stockholm to share his perspective on Swedish history. Hi, Tom. Great to see you. Hey, good to see you. I thought the new Viking Museum would be a nice place to get a cup of coffee. Sounds good. Chaidenius wanted freedom of the press, and he also wanted freedom of labor. The right of people to offer their services on voluntary terms to other people, to negotiate, to move where they wanted to go, to leave the country if they wanted to, to live wherever they wanted to live. And it was really quite striking, the parallel between that and what the American founders did. Chaidenius, he's sometimes called, oh, the precursor of Adam Smith. It's an insult. He was an original thinker on his own who came up with the ideas before Adam Smith, before the American revolutionaries. And I think he deserves to be recognized as a real innovator. In the decades following Chaidenius' death, Sweden remained poor. But there was one area in which Sweden would come to excel, literacy. In time, the printed word became a vehicle to spread Chaidenius' ideas and spark reforms.
So let me. Yeah. Good afternoon. Uh, welcome to the Cato Institute. I'm Ian Vasquez. I direct the Center for Global Liberty and Prosperity here. Uh, Sweden and uh, Nordic countries more generally are held in high regard in the United States, and rightfully so. Sweden is a highly successful country, and it's managed to achieve prosperity, social harmony, and public services that work relatively well. It ranks high on the Human Freedom Index, ranking 13 out of 159 countries. Its success is a reason that it's sometimes uh, used as a reference here in the U.S. in political discussions. It's also become a more prominent topic of debate after Democratic presidential candidate Bernie Sanders on the campaign trail said, I think we should look to countries like Denmark, like Sweden and Norway to learn from what they have accomplished for, for their working people. It's not a bad idea. Sanders' intention, of course, was to promote democratic socialism here in the United States. But is Sweden really a good example of social democracy, at least in the way that most Americans uh, conceive it? The answer to that question is much more interesting than a simple yes or no. And one thing I've learned from uh, years of working on international uh, development issues is that Americans are typically not well informed about uh, foreign nations, and it seems that the public's knowledge about Sweden uh, is uh, not an exception. Sweden is not a utopia, but there are powerful, positive lessons uh, to learn from it, as well as lessons about uh, what they've done wrong. Uh, that's why we're pleased to, to host today uh, Cato Senior Fellow and uh, Swedish scholar Johan Norberg uh, to discuss uh, his new documentary and to, to view a part of that uh, documentary, and hear him tell his country's fascinating story. I think that in many ways, Americans uh, will find the, the story that Johan tells somewhat surprising, or at least uh, unexpected, both for the good and the bad. And of course, Sweden's uh, most recent unexpected news, at least for many outsiders, is the rise, the rise of the far right, which in this uh, weekend's election got some 18% of the vote. How could this happen in such a country, uh, in a country that's uh, so hom homogeneous and that has usually favored social consensus uh, to solve problems, and to what extent does this development change uh, Swedish politics or even threaten uh, the country? Lessons uh, that the United States uh, can learn uh, about what to emulate and what to avoid in terms of Sweden. So I look forward to that discussion. The documentary uh, that we're featuring today will be uh, seen on public television uh, stations soon, and to tell us a little bit more about that, I'm happy to introduce the, the CEO of uh, the company that produced uh, the documentary, Free to Choose 
media. We will hear from him for just a couple of minutes, then we'll see about a 16-minute clip of the film. Then I'll introduce uh, Johan Norberg, and he'll speak, and we'll take uh, questions and answers and have a discussion. Uh, Robert Chatfield uh, is the CEO of Free to Choose uh, Network. He has previously been uh, at the Pioneer Institute and served in financial positions in uh, various companies, and he's currently associated with Syracuse University and with Suffolk University. Please help me welcome uh, Bob Chatfield. Thank you very much, Ian. And I think his remarks really opened this up well. Why we did this project was pretty simple. Uh, it was the Bernie Sanders commentary about maybe America should be looking towards the Nordic countries. Little did Bernie know that the person who's done, uh, has hosted most of our films is an actual Swede. And so we asked him, should America be more like Sweden? And we got a remarkable answer from him, which was maybe if you knew more about our country. Uh, as Ian mentioned, this will be distributed through public television, uh, a bit of a housekeeping item. Uh, next to the table out front there, you can sign up uh, and receive notification of when this will be on your local public television channel. Uh, we expect it's going to be end of October, beginning of November with regards to the scheduling, but I do not have dates yet for the DC and Virginia areas. Uh, without further ado, I believe we're going to go and show a 15-minute clip from the film, which will then lead us into our discussion. Thank you so much. Thanks. Welcome to Stockholm, Sweden. My name is Joe Norberg, and this is where I was born and raised. These are friends of mine, and we're going to watch a big game between two Stockholm teams, so it should be a good one. And it might get a little crazy in there. Yeah, let's have a lot of crazy. Look at this excitement over a football game. Or soccer, as it's called in America. sure if this is how Americans typically picture us. It's easy to have misperceptions about a country. So, what do Americans know about Sweden? People have blonde hair, and then there was Vikings from there. I think they have good cheese, though. Oh, no, that's Switzerland. Well, I love ABBA. Ikea, of course. <laughs> it seems like it's like a place that like no problems or something. Uh, it is a socialist economy. Volvos and uh, socialized medicine. So it seems our international companies are pretty well known. But our economic system is misunderstood. This is the story of how we Swedes grew our nation to become the fourth most prosperous country in the world and almost threw it all away. We'll explore a little Swedish history and meet some people who will show us what it's really like to live in Sweden today. I think there might be lessons learned for other countries, but I'll leave that for you to think about as I share this story 
about my home. Major funding for this program has been provided by L.E. Phillips Family Foundation, DKT Liberty Project, Donald and Paula Smith Family Foundation, Chris and Melody Roofer, Sarah Scaife Foundation. 25 years ago, when I first became interested in economics, I was studying a low-income country, poorer than the Democratic Republic of Congo in Africa. This country had a life expectancy half as long, an infant mortality three times as high as the average developing country. In fact, I was studying my own country, Sweden, as it existed 150 years ago. But then in one century, everything changed. This impoverished peasant nation developed into one of the world's richest countries. We grew from being a country of subsistence farmers barely surviving in a harsh climate to a world exporter of goods and raw materials. But to understand how all of that happened, I have to tell you about Anders Chidenius. If you've not heard of him, don't worry, you're not alone. Have you ever heard of this guy? Anders Chidenius. <laughs> no. <laughs> I, I never heard it. So, who was Anders Chaidenius, you may be wondering. Many Swedes, in fact, learn about him in school, but don't really remember his name. But for people like me and other historians and economists, he's one of the greatest thinkers and champions of freedom in history. Today I'm going to see a rehearsal of a new play written about Chaidenius. Dagen oöverträffad hatare av gåtor och hemligheter i allt som rör ekonomiska frågor. Dolda subventioner och premier i näringarna. Monopol, bortkomna kvitton, ogjorda bokslut, premier på lösa grunder. Allt det har ni. Ni ska inte ta det personligt. Men ni ska inte ta emot mutor. Hur vågar ni? Sätt ända lite tot. Hi. That was amazing. Thank you. Thank you. Uh, no, this is not Anders Chaidenius. This is Mats Holmqvist, an actor who has studied and portrayed Chaidenius for almost 30 years by now. And now you promised to show me some places that were important yeah, in Chaidenius' sure. life, right? Can I change some clothes and then I... That's probably a good idea. <laughs> Chaidenius lived in Western Finland, which was part of the Swedish Empire at that time. And he held some radical ideas for the 1760s. Living under the rule of the Swedish king, Chaidenius argued for minimal state power, low taxes and land rights for peasant farmers. Chaidenius published The National Gain, his own arguments for free markets and personal freedom. 
and many people think that he would have become world famous had his ideas been translated into a major language of his time. What happened here? This is the actual place where Chudenius started his career. He was a preacher. So it was when he was here that he started. started to write about the farmers' right to sell their goods freely to other countries? Yes, you can say so. He worked on bringing better circumstances for the farmers around where he lived because he, he cared that everyone should be free to, to do as best as they can. Although educated as a priest, Tigenius feels that working in politics is a better way to directly improve people's lives. And in 1765, he's elected to the Swedish parliament and moves to Stockholm. As a member of parliament, Chydenius pushes for freedom of religion and freedom of the press. And in 1766, Sweden becomes the first country in the world to have freedom of the press written into its constitution. But within a year, Chydenius' views get him in trouble. He writes an article about monetary policy that criticizes the Swedish authorities. He's quickly expelled from parliament. Defeated, Chydenius leaves Stockholm and dedicates his life to his parish work and music. Quartet is playing one of Chydenius' favorite pieces, using some of his own music notations. But it is not for music that Anders Chydenius is remembered. He is Sweden's earliest champion of individual freedom, a man who fought to give impoverished farmers control over their own lives. Chydenius would not live to see his ideals come to fruition. By the time Chydenius died, in 1803, Sweden was one of the poorest countries of Europe. Hundreds of thousands of Swedes, out of sheer desperation, left the country to find opportunity in new lands. Many came to America. So is Chydenius buried here? We don't know. But the legion says he might have been moved and brought here under the church floor. The farmers who he had uh, done so much good for, they wanted him back to his own church. So do you think he's buried here? I, I don't know. But I like the, I like the idea that he is home again. I'm going to meet with Dr. Tom Palmer, an American author and commentator on international politics and ethics. I've known Tom for over 15 years. 
and he has come to Stockholm to share his perspective on Swedish history. Hi, Tom. Great to see you. Hey, good to see you. I thought the new Viking Museum would be a nice place to get a cup of coffee. Sounds good. Chydenius wanted freedom of the press, and he also wanted freedom of labor, the right of people to offer their services on voluntary terms to other people, to negotiate, to move where they wanted to go, to leave the country if they wanted to, to live wherever they wanted to live. And it was really quite striking, the parallel between that and what the American founders did. Chydenius, he's sometimes called, oh, the precursor of Adam Smith. It's an insult. He was an original thinker on his own who came up with the ideas before Adam Smith, before the American revolutionaries, and I think he deserves to be recognized as a real innovator. Decades following Chydenius's death, Sweden remained poor. But there was one area in which Sweden would come to excel. Literacy. In time, the printed word became a vehicle to spread Chydenius's ideas and spark reforms. Oh, let me. Yeah. Good afternoon. Uh, welcome to the Cato Institute. I'm Ian Vasquez.
I direct the Center for Global Liberty and Prosperity here. Uh, Sweden and uh, Nordic countries more generally are held in high regard in the United States and rightfully so. Sweden is a highly successful country and it's managed to achieve prosperity, social harmony, and public services that work relatively well. It ranks high on the Human Freedom Index, ranking 13 out of 159 countries. Its success is a reason that it's sometimes uh, used as a reference here in the U.S. in political discussions. It's also become a more prominent topic of debate after Democratic presidential candidate Bernie Sanders on the campaign trail said, I think we should look to countries like Denmark, like Sweden and Norway to learn from what they have accomplished for, for their working people. It's not a bad idea. Sanders' intention, of course, was to promote democratic socialism here in the United States. But is Sweden really a good example of social democracy, at least in the way that most Americans uh, conceive it? The answer to that question is much more interesting than a simple yes or no. And one thing I've learned from uh, years of working on international uh, development issues is that Americans are typically not well informed about uh, foreign nations and it seems that the public's knowledge about Sweden uh, is uh, not an exception. Sweden is not a utopia, but there are powerful positive lessons uh, to learn from it as well as lessons about uh, what they've done wrong. Uh, that's why we're pleased to, to host today uh, Cato senior fellow and uh, Swedish scholar, Johan Norberg, uh, to discuss uh, his new documentary and to, to view a part of that uh, documentary and hear him tell his country's fascinating story. I think that in many ways, Americans uh, will find the, the story that Johan tells somewhat surprising or at least uh, unexpected, both for the good and the bad. And of course, Sweden's uh, most recent unexpected news, at least for many outsiders, is the rise, the rise of the far right, which in this uh, weekend's election got some 18% of the vote. How could this happen in such a country, uh, in a country that's uh, so hom homogeneous and that has usually favored social consensus uh, to solve problems. And to what extent does this development change uh, Swedish politics or even threaten uh, the country? Here too, there are less freedoms uh, that the United States uh, can learn uh, about what to emulate and what to avoid in terms of Sweden. So I look forward to that discussion. The documentary uh, that we're featuring today will be uh, seen on public television uh, stations soon. And to tell us a little bit more about that, I'm happy to introduce the, the CEO of uh, the company that produced uh, the documentary, Free to Choose Media. We will hear from him for just a couple of minutes, then we'll see about a 16 minute clip of the film then I'll introduce uh, Johan Norberg, and he'll speak, and we'll take uh, questions and answers and have a d discussion. Uh, Robert Chatfield uh, is the CEO of Free to Choose uh, Network. He has previously been uh, at the Pioneer Institute and served in financial positions in 
various companies, and he's currently associated with Syracuse University and with Suffolk University. Please help me welcome uh, Bob Chetfield. Thank you very much, Ian. And I think his remarks really opened this up well. Why we did this project was pretty simple. Uh, it was the Bernie Sanders commentary about maybe America should be looking towards the Nordic countries. Little did Bernie know that the person who's done, uh, has hosted most of our films is an actual Swede. And so we asked him, should America be more like Sweden? And we got a remarkable answer from him, which was maybe if you knew more about our country. Uh, as Ian mentioned, this will be distributed through public television. Uh, a bit of a housekeeping item uh, next to the table out front there. You can sign up uh, and receive notification of when this will be on your local public television channel. Uh, we expect it's going to be end of October, beginning of November with regards to the scheduling, but I do not have dates yet for the D.C. and Virginia areas. Uh, without further ado, I believe we're going to go and show a 15-minute clip from the film, which will then lead us into our discussion. Thank you so yep. much. Thanks. Welcome to Stockholm, Sweden. My name is Joa Norberg, and this is where I was born and raised. These are friends of mine, and we're going to watch a big game between two Stockholm teams, so it should be a good one. And it might get a little crazy in there. Yeah, let's go. A lot of crazy. Look at this excitement over a football game. Or soccer, as it's called in America. sure if this is how Americans typically picture us. It's easy to have misperceptions about a country. So, what do Americans know about Sweden? People have blonde hair, and then there was Vikings from there. I think they have good cheese, though. Oh no, that's Switzerland. Well, I love ABBA. Ikea, of course. <laughs> it seems like it's like a place that like no problems or something. Uh, it is a socialist economy. Volvos and uh, socialized medicine. So it seems our international companies are pretty well known. But our economic system is misunderstood. This is the story of how we Swedes grew our nation to become the fourth most prosperous country in the world and almost threw it all away. We'll explore a little Swedish history and meet some people who will show us what it's really like to live in Sweden today. I think there might be lessons learned for other countries, but I'll leave that for you to think about as I share this story about my home.
Major funding for this program has been provided by L.E. Phillips Family Foundation, DKT, Liberty Project, Donald and Paula Smith Family Foundation, Chris and Melody Roofer, Sarah Scaife Foundation. 25 years ago, when I first became interested in economics, I was studying a low-income country, poorer than the Democratic Republic of Congo in Africa. This country had a life expectancy half as long, an infant mortality three times as high as the average developing country. In fact, I was studying my own country, Sweden, as it existed 150 years ago. But then in one century, everything changed. This impoverished peasant nation developed into one of the world's richest countries. We grew from being a country of subsistence farmers barely surviving in a harsh climate to a world exporter of goods and raw materials. But to understand how all of that happened, I have to tell you about Anders Chedenius. If you've not heard of him, don't worry, you're not alone. This guy? <laughs> I, I never heard it. So, who was Anders Chaidenius, you may be wondering. Many Swedes, in fact, learn about him in school, but don't really remember his name. But for people like me and other historians and economists, he's one of the greatest thinkers and champions of freedom in history. Today I'm going to see a rehearsal of a new play written about Chaidenius. Hey. <laughs> that was amazing. Thank you. Thank you. Uh, no, this is not Anders Chaidenius. This is Mats Holmqvist, an actor who has studied and portrayed Chaidenius for almost 30 years by now. And now you promised to show me some places that were important yeah, in Chaidenius' sure. life, right? Can I change some clothes and then I... That's probably a good idea. <laughs> Chaidinius lived in Western Finland, which was part of the Swedish Empire at that time. And he held some radical ideas for the 1760s. Living under the rule of the Swedish king, Chaidinius argued for minimal state power, low taxes and land rights for peasant farmers. Chaidinius published The National Gain, his own arguments for free markets and personal freedom. And many people think that he would have become world famous had his ideas been translated into a major language of his time. What happened here? This is the actual place where Chudenius started his career. He was a preacher. So it was when he was here that he started? 
started to write about the farmers' right to sell their goods freely to other countries? Yes, you can say so. He worked on bringing better circumstances for the farmers around where he lived because he, he cared that everyone should be free to, to do as best as they can. Although educated as a priest, Chaigenius feels that working in politics is a better way to directly improve people's lives. And in 1765, he's elected to the Swedish parliament and moves to Stockholm. As a member of parliament, Chaigenius pushes for freedom of religion and freedom of the press. And in 1766, Sweden becomes the first country in the world to have freedom of the press written into its constitution. But within a year, Chaidinius's views get him in trouble. He writes an article about monetary policy that criticizes the Swedish authorities. He's quickly expelled from parliament. Defeated, Chaidinius leaves Stockholm and dedicates his life to his parish work and music. Quartet is playing one of Chaidinius's favorite pieces, using some of his own music notations. But it is not for music that Anders Chaidinius is remembered. He is Sweden's earliest champion of individual freedom, a man who fought to give impoverished farmers control over their own lives. Chaidinius would not live to see his ideals come to fruition. By the time Chaidinius died in 1803, Sweden was one of the poorest countries of Europe. Hundreds of thousands of Swedes, out of sheer desperation, left the country to find opportunity in new lands. Many came to America. So is Chaidinius buried here? We don't know. But the legion says he might have been moved and brought here under the church floor. The farmers who he had uh, done so much good for, they wanted him back to his own church. So do you think he's buried here? I, I don't know. But I like the, I like the idea that he is home again. I'm going to meet with Dr. Tom Palmer, an American author and commentator on international politics and ethics. I've known Tom for over 15 years, and he has come to Stockholm to share his perspective on Swedish history. Hi, Tom. Great to see you. Hey, good to see you. I thought the new Viking Museum would be a nice place to get a cup of coffee. Sounds good. 
Chydenius wanted freedom of the press, and he also wanted freedom of labor, the right of people to offer their services on voluntary terms to other people, to negotiate, to move where they wanted to go, to leave the country if they wanted to, to live wherever they wanted to live. And it was really quite striking, the parallel between that and what the American founders did. Chydenius, he's sometimes called, oh, the precursor of Adam Smith. It's an insult. He was an original thinker on his own who came up with the ideas before Adam Smith, before the American revolutionaries. And I think he deserves to be recognized as a real innovator. Decades following Chydenius' death, Sweden remained poor. But there was one area in which Sweden would come to excel. Literacy. In time, the printed word became a vehicle to spread Chydenius' ideas and spark reforms. Oh, let me. Yeah. Good afternoon. Uh, welcome to the Cato Institute. I'm Ian Vasquez.
I direct the Center for Global Liberty and Prosperity here. Uh, Sweden and Nordic countries more generally are held in high regard in the United States and rightfully so. Sweden is a highly successful country and it's managed to achieve prosperity, social harmony, and public services that work relatively well. It ranks high on the Human Freedom Index, ranking 13 out of 159 countries. Its success is a reason that it's sometimes uh, used as a reference here in the U.S. in political discussions. It's also become a more prominent topic of debate after Democratic presidential candidate Bernie Sanders on the campaign trail said, I think we should look to countries like Denmark, like Sweden and Norway to learn from what they have accomplished for, for their working people. It's not a bad idea. Sanders' intention, of course, was to promote democratic socialism here in the United States. But is Sweden really a good example of social democracy, at least in the way that most Americans uh, conceive it? The answer to that question is much more interesting than a simple yes or no. And one thing I've learned from uh, years of working on international uh, development issues is that Americans are typically not well informed about uh, foreign nations and it seems that the public's knowledge about Sweden uh, is uh, not an exception. Sweden is not a utopia, but there are powerful positive lessons uh, to learn from it as well as lessons about uh, what they've done wrong. Uh, that's why we're pleased to, to host today uh, Cato senior fellow and uh, Swedish scholar, Johan Norberg, uh, to discuss uh, his new documentary and to, to view a part of that uh, documentary and hear him tell his country's fascinating story. I think that in many ways, Americans uh, will find the, the story that Johan tells somewhat surprising or at least uh, unexpected, both for the good and the bad. And of course, Sweden's uh, most recent unexpected news, at least for many outsiders, is the rise, the rise of the far right, which in this uh, weekend's election got some 18% of the vote. How could this happen in such a country, uh, in a country that's uh, so hom homogeneous and that has usually favored social consensus uh, to solve problems. And to what extent does this development change uh, Swedish politics or even threaten uh, the country? Here too, there are less freedoms uh, that the United States uh, can learn about what to emulate and what to avoid in terms of Sweden. So I look forward to that discussion. The documentary uh, that we're featuring today will be uh, seen on public television uh, stations soon. And to tell us a little bit more about that, I'm happy to introduce the, the CEO of uh, the company that produced uh, the documentary, Free to Choose Media. We will hear from him for just a couple of minutes, then we'll see about a 16-minute clip of the film then I'll introduce uh, Johan Norberg, and he'll speak, and we'll take uh, questions and answers and have a di discussion. Uh, Robert Chatfield uh, is the CEO of Free to Choose uh, Network. He has previously been uh, at the Pioneer Institute and served in financial positions in 
various companies, and he's currently associated with Syracuse University and with Suffolk University. Please help me welcome uh, Bob Chetfield. Thank you very much, Ian, and I think his remarks really opened this up well. Why we did this project was pretty simple. Uh, it was the Bernie Sanders commentary about maybe America should be looking towards the Nordic countries. Little did Bernie know that the person who's done, uh, has hosted most of our films is an actual Swede. And so we asked him, should America be more like Sweden? And we got a remarkable answer from him, which was maybe if you knew more about our country. Uh, as Ian mentioned, this will be distributed through public television, uh, a bit of a housekeeping item. Uh, next to the table out front there, you can sign up uh, and receive notification of when this will be on your local public television channel. Uh, we expect it's going to be end of October, beginning of November with regards to the scheduling, but I do not have dates yet for the D.C. and Virginia areas. Uh, without further ado, I believe we're going to go and show a 15-minute clip from the film, which will then lead us into our discussion. Thank you so much. Thanks. Welcome to Stockholm, Sweden. My name is Joe Norberg, and this is where I was born and raised. These are friends of mine and we're going to watch a big game between two Stockholm teams, so it should be a good one. And it might get a little crazy in there. Yeah, let's have a lot of crazy. Look at this excitement over a football game. Or soccer, as it's called in America. sure if this is how Americans typically picture us. It's easy to have misperceptions about a country. So, what do Americans know about Sweden? People have blonde hair, and then there was Vikings from there. I think they have good cheese, though. Oh no, that's Switzerland. Well, I love ABBA. Ikea, of course. <laughs> it's a, it seems like it's like a place that, like no problems or something. Uh, it is a socialist economy. Volvos and uh, socialized medicine. So it seems our international companies are pretty well known. But our economic system is misunderstood. This is the story of how we Swedes grew our nation to become the fourth most prosperous country in the world and almost threw it all away. We'll explore a little Swedish history and meet some people who will show us what it's really like to live in Sweden today. I think there might be lessons learned for other countries, but I'll leave that for you to think about as I share this story about my home.
Major funding for this program has been provided by L.E. Phillips Family Foundation, DKT, Liberty Project, Donald and Paula Smith Family Foundation, Chris and Melody Roofer, Sarah Scaife Foundation. 25 years ago, when I first became interested in economics, I was studying a low-income country, poorer than the Democratic Republic of Congo in Africa. This country had a life expectancy half as long, an infant mortality three times as high as the average developing country. In fact, I was studying my own country, Sweden, as it existed 150 years ago. But then in one century, everything changed. This impoverished peasant nation developed into one of the world's richest countries. We grew from being a country of subsistence farmers barely surviving in a harsh climate to a world exporter of goods and raw materials. But to understand how all of that happened, I have to tell you about Anders Chedenius. If you've not heard of him, don't worry. Have you ever heard of this guy? You're not alone. Andresen. Guy. <laughs> <laughs> no. <laughs> I, I never heard it. So, who was Anders Chaidenius, you may be wondering. Many Swedes, in fact, learn about him in school, but don't really remember his name. But for people like me and other historians and economists, he's one of the greatest thinkers and champions of freedom in history. Today I'm going to see a rehearsal of a new play written about Chaidenius. Hey. <laughs> that was amazing. Thank you. Thank you. Uh, no, this is not Anders Chaidenius. This is Mats Holmqvist, an actor who has studied and portrayed Chaidenius for almost 30 years by now. And now you promised to show me some places that were important yeah, in Chaidenius' sure. life, right? Can I change some clothes and then I... That's probably a good idea. <laughs> Chaidenius lived in Western Finland, which was part of the Swedish Empire at that time. And he held some radical ideas for the 1760s. Living under the rule of the Swedish king, Chaidenius argued for minimal state power, low taxes and land rights for peasant farmers. Chaidenius published The National Gain, his own arguments for free markets and personal freedom. And many people think that he would have become world famous had his ideas been translated into a major language of his time. What happened here? This is the actual place where Chudenius started his career. He was a preacher, 
So it was when he was here that he started. started to write about the farmers' right to sell their goods freely to other countries? Yes, you can say so. He worked on bringing better circumstances for the farmers around where he lived because he, he cared that everyone should be free to, to do as best as they can. Although educated as a priest, Chaigenius feels that working in politics is a better way to directly improve people's lives. And in 1765, he's elected to the Swedish parliament and moves to Stockholm. As a member of parliament, Chaidenius pushes for freedom of religion and freedom of the press. And in 1766, Sweden becomes the first country in the world to have freedom of the press written into its constitution. But within a year, Chaidinius' views get him in trouble. He writes an article about monetary policy that criticizes the Swedish authorities. He's quick.